1: And today we are sponsored by Beasyboards, B-E-A-S-Yboards.com, and Coppertouch.com. Today is going to be a really special show. I'm really excited about this show. So my call, Linda Pavick and Simon Beck, how are you guys doing today? Terrific. Thank you, Paul. Good.
2: Terrific, Paul. Thank you. <clears throat>
1: We're here on a special show today because I'm excited about it. And without any further to do, Linda, will you please give a warm welcome to our special guest today?
3: Absolutely, Paul. I would like to welcome to our show today Dr. Sianna Petropoulos. Sianna, we are so honored to have you with us today.
0: Thank you. I'm honored to be here.
3: And this is a show that I think will touch in many, many people. So um, I'm just going to get right into it and introduce. I would love you to give us all of your credentials, but I think one thing that people do need to know is that you were diagnosed at some point with the ALS. And that is um, a significant diagnosis that you've had to face. So I wanted that to be, everybody to be aware of that before we start with your story. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your credentials and how you became a Ph.D.?
0: Yes. Um, Thank you very much, all of you, for having me. Uh, Like I said, I'm honored to be here to share my story and uh, that this is a forum where I can share it. Uh, I want to say first that uh, I was diagnosed with ALS in 2018, in the fall. Uh, My symptoms started in 2017, and uh, uh, a disclaimer I have to start out with is my voice, so my breathing is affected by the ALS, the muscles, make it hard to breathe, and also make it hard to speak. So please excuse if I might sound weak at some times or you can't understand my voice. That's just part of the condition. Um, well, you
3: just let me know at any time yeah. if you if you need because
0: I can carry the conversation when you need to take a break. Sure, sure. And I'll just pace myself. I've learned to pace myself when I speak with my breathing and um, and slowing down or pausing. Uh, but I now I'll get to the credentials. Uh, so okay. when I was 53 years old, I'm currently 66. When I was 53 years old, I decided to fulfill a lifelong dream. I had been a single mom for a lot of years, and I sent my daughter off to college. And after she was in college for about a year, I uh, left my home in Maine, which I had lived All my life, and I moved out to San Francisco, California, because there was a particular psychology program at the California Institute of Integral Studies that was uh, just right for me. And basically, I've been interested in the mind body connection. And at CIIS in San Francisco, they are one of the few, maybe only one of two masters in psychology programs in the country that focus on the body. It's called somatic psychology, somatic coming from the Greek root soma, which means body. So the focus is on doing therapy, doing healing work with clients through the channel of the body. So, uh, bringing a client's body into the room as well as their mind, um, I'll go into that more later at some point today, um, so I moved out to San Francisco all by myself. Uh, I'd never lived in a big city in my life, uh, so it took a lot of getting used to to live in a big city. I mean, I come from Maine, you know. It's,
3: I can imagine. It's, We're in Minnesota, um, so I understand exactly.
0: so different. Um, but I moved there, and I started the master's program, at 53, I was terrified I was going to flunk out the first week, but lo and behold, I didn't. And in fact, through the four years of my master's program, I thrived. I came, I I opened up intellectual capacities that I had no idea I had. Here it is, Here I am, 53 years old, and I was just discovering parts of myself that I didn't, I didn't know I had these capacities.
2: Um, Isn't
0: it amazing but did. that it Yeah, it is. And so I graduated with my master's in somatic psychology in 2011 and um, had done, you know, during the program, we do internships and Practical training, working with clients, and training with real, real clients. And I realized that I had only just scraped the tip of the iceberg. I Once I allowed myself to uh, be in this academic environment and explore my capacities, I discovered I wanted a whole lot more. I wanted to learn a whole lot more. And I also wanted to be involved in research. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm going to take a drink of water.
3: That's quite all right. So I can understand completely, Siana, because your story and my story are very similar. I went um, and fulfilled my dream for college education at age 58, and it was a door opening and awakening for me as well. So I understand exactly what you're talking about, and I think for all of our listeners who ever think that it's ever too late to do anything in life, uh, this is a lesson well learned. So then you're going to get a Ph.D. And that is not an easy process. That is also a lifelong dream for me. And I've had to put it on hold because of of running two businesses and being uh, diagnosed with MS. And it kind of was life-changing for me. So you did not have your ALS diagnosis at this time, I'm assuming. No. And you were moving on with life at a normal pace. And you decided to get a Ph.D.?
0: Yes, and I love, uh, I love hearing your story as well. And it, it's comforting to me and also inspiring to me to hear about your, your life and what you're doing too. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. So I enrolled in a PhD in clinical psychology program also in San Francisco. And um, I was able to do, I also, in the process of that, I not only studied, you know, traditional psychotherapy, clinical psychology, but I expanded and also specialized in neuropsychology, um, which is the functioning of the brain. Um wow. And doing assessments, and so I had the opportunity to do, um, practicum trainings at the VA in San Francisco, and also at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, and also at Kaiser Permanente. Uh, So I had very rich experience in San Francisco, as well as the diversity in San Francisco is incredible. So I really Uh got to train with clients and patients who, from all walks of life and all orientations. And I uh, graduated in uh, 2018. But I moved to, in 2017, when you do a, a PhD in clinical psychology, you do one year of a pre-doctoral internship. Then you graduate, then you do one year of a postdoctoral fellowship. And I decided to move back to Maine to do my internship. And I got an internship at the VA in Maine. Uh, And then um, did my postdoctoral fellowship at the VA in Maine. And the Mm -hmm. story is that within a month, after starting my predoctoral internship at the VA, my very first symptoms started. Very subtle in my right foot. And that's uh, where it started.
3: Okay, so um, we're going to be getting into um, that discussion here. And uh, Deanna, I I hope you realize that um, I understand what a difficult diagnosis it must have been. When I met you and when I first talked to you, I went back and read Tuesdays with Maury that I read a few years ago. I'm, uh, have you read that book? I,
0: I, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you.
3: Um, there is a book, Tuesdays with Maury.
0: Oh, I've not read
3: it. Okay. I will send it to you. Uh, it's a very
0: important oh, thank book.
3: you. It's a very important book that deals with ALS. And it was a gentleman that had ALS, and uh, he had been a professor of sociology. And he, um, one of his students visited with him every Tuesday and wrote the book. And it, is, uh, it affected me 20 years ago as a life-changing book because of the messaging that Maury gave And you had that same effect on me when I talked with you on the phone the first time.
0: Oh, sweet. Thank you.
3: ALS is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. And it is not a real common diagnosis. So when you first started feeling the symptoms, um, were you thinking um, that you just had a cold muscle? um, You know, I'm thinking about me with my MS. When it happened to me, I just kept thinking, okay, I've I've done something in my spine that's twisted because my left leg was all numb and my toes were always tingling. So what led you to finally see a doctor and say, I think something's wrong?
0: Yeah, thank you. I kept falling for no reason. I'd be walking down the hall... At the VA, there were no bumps, no rugs to chew on, nothing. And all of a sudden, I would find myself on the floor. And um, when that started happening multiple times a week, that's when I decided i better go to a doctor. And uh, just like you, they first sent me to an orthopedic doctor because they thought it was maybe a pinched nerve in my spine that was making my right foot weak. Uh, they did an MRI. My spine is absolutely beautiful. And that's when they looked at me and said, uh-oh, we're going to need to send you to, a, you know, a neuro, neuro doctor because we think it might be a neuromuscular problem. And from that point, it took a year of testing and investigation and ruling everything else out before getting the official diagnosis.
3: I'm aware um, in reading a lot about ALS um, because before I was diagnosed with the form of MS that I have, obviously, because I am a studier, um, I read everything there was to read, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that, that ALS, MS as well, are very hard to diagnose, and so I understand mm-hmm. the elimination process, but it's a frustrating process for us, the patients, because you go with no answers for long periods of time, and there's, there tends to be a kind of a fear factor that can happen with that. Did you experience any of that?
0: During that process? Yes, definitely. Um, when I began, when they started telling me that ALS might be one of the options, I got very frightened because I knew that with ALS, you only have a small window of time. And so I, I felt like I was up against the clock. Like, look, so let's figure out if it is or if it isn't, and start doing whatever treatments might be helpful um and of course, there really aren't any very effective treatments yet, uh they don't right. even know what causes it um, right, but yes, absolutely, yeah wanted to know what it was so I could tackle it.
3: So, um, it's life-changing, obviously, and in your case, um, there's a window of time that you have to deal with now, is that correct?
0: Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, with the ALS, they typically say um, death typically comes within two to five years of diagnosis. Um, Now I happen to know, I'm very active in the ALS community here in Maine, which is organized by the ALS Association, the Northern New England chapter. And I know several uh, men and women who've had ALS for 10 to 15 years. Uh, uh, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'll be on the road. <laughs> um, well, no guarantee. I'm hoping
3: that that will be the case, too. Thank you. So the way that you and I met is, um, we own a company that's called Easy Trans Systems, and Easy Trans Systems um, manufactures the Easy Board. Which is a patient transfer device that transfers, uh, people that have lower mobility issues from surface to surface, such as a bed to a commode or wheelchair to, I'm sorry, wheelchair to bed, um, wheelchair to commode, uh, shower, wherever somebody needs to be transferred, uh, great for car transfer. So you ended up finding us by researching the Beasy board. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. did
0: you end up purchasing the BZ board? Yes. Yeah. So I, prior to the Beasy board, I had standard transfer boards, which for earlier in my progression were fine because I could still, you know, scooch my way across back and forth from wheelchair to bed or whatever I was transferring to, a car, whatever. Uh but as my symptoms progress, I no longer my muscles no longer can do that. Um yet I still need to transfer. Uh right. especially when I'm out and I don't have the benefit of my hoyer list or steering list at home. And when I found online the Beaver board, uh, which has a cylinder in the board on a track, and you sit on the cylinder, and whoever is with you can just push you across, and it slides across so easily. Uh, and uh, you know, when I saw it online, I thought it's too good to be true, but what the heck, I'll give it a try, I'm desperate. And I bought it, and lo and behold, this, it works so beautifully. It allows me more freedom and independence because I use it, like I said, when I'm outside of the home. So I... Have a wheelchair van, I don't know if i I didn't say that yet to the folks, but I'm um restricted to a wheelchair now, and um I have a wheelchair van, and I keep that transfer board in the van and I use it all the time so i go I go out in the van with a friend or a family member and If I'm, uh, depending on what I'm doing or where I'm going, I can transfer so easily with that board, whereas if it would not be possible with a traditional board. So I'm extremely grateful that BC invented this, this transfer board.
3: Well, Dr. DeAnna, uh, we're so grateful that it's working for you and that you're loving it. That is why the thesis board was invented. And um, I'm going to bring Sandra back in with us. I want you to have a chance to say hello to her and meet her as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Sandra is a very, very dear friend as well as a consultant for the company and a marketing expert and guru. Uh,
2: Sandra, do you have some questions for Dr. Kiana. I do. I do have some some questions, and it's so nice to meet you, and thank you for being here and spending this time with us. I would like to talk to you. You have such a wonderful mindset, like, you know, Mm -hmm. the way you think about things, the way you're, you know, you're here today talking about a very difficult subject while in a very challenging situation. Where did you get your mental toughness from? You know, is this something you've acquired? (laughs) Have you gotten better at it? Um, Or were you always just, you know, just such a strong person? It's a little
0: bit of all of those things. I think I was definitely born with uh, a feisty and strong spirit and determined to live life to the fullest. Um, But I also have, through the years of my life, developed certain skills. Um, I... About 29 years ago, I became active in a 12-step recovery program, and I learned some incredible skills of resiliency, positivity, optimism, hope, and fellowship that I hadn't, even though I had this raw, feisty spirit, I didn't have some real fine-tuned, fine-honed skills to really apply it in a positive way in my life. And in, in these 29 years of being in recovery, I have learned how to view life with an attitude of gratitude no matter what. So it's about acceptance of whatever is, whatever the reality is. Um, I've learned how to reach out to others and and um, allow to love others and allow others to love me. So I have a very strong support, support of friends and family around me who keep my spirits uplifted. Um, I've learned acceptance and patience. um, And how to stay, how to live in the present moment one of one of the one of the, uh, one of the things i studied in in my phd program which is a mind body technique is mindfulness so mindfulness the whole philosophy behind it is to learn how to be fully awake and alive in the present moment so our minds can get stuck in regretting the past or stuck in worrying about the future. And what we miss by doing that is that right here, right now, life can be wonderful. Um, I'm sitting here right now with my windows open. It's a beautiful 75-degree sunny day in Maine. And I'm listening to the crickets singing, which is one of my favorite sounds in the world, as I'm talking with you. And I am allowing myself to be present in this moment, speaking with you, while also allowing the sounds of the crickets to come in and lift me up, you know, uh I just love listening to it. So, um,
3: Well, Dr. Sianna, so De- De- uh, yes, there, yes. there are probably most likely people that are being diagnosed right now or all, already um, with ALS that are listening to this show. And what kind of advice can you offer to them that gives them the hope, um, the awareness, the uh, opening of consciousness that this is not the end, you know, that um, it may be of this lifetime, but but life is transitional. Um, I would be interested to know what your thoughts are about all of that.
0: Mm, I don't know if I have an, an answer to that, but I'll just speak from my experience which is a lot of the uh, incidentals of life have fallen away from me. When I think about my philosophy is, I remember hearing uh, a, a statement, maybe you've heard it before, if you had 24 hours to live, if you knew... You have twenty-four hours to live. How would you choose to live it? What would you do? And that's what I'm doing. So I, um, I choose to live each day of uh, recognizing beauty, uh, practicing love with my loved ones. Uh, and, like I said, just trying to live in the present moment and focusing on what is really important, Yeah, what is really important in life. Uh, I can get caught up in, you know, stressful detail, but I always pause at some point, and bring my breathe, and bring myself back to the to the present moment, and focus on what is most important, and how do I want to spend the next twenty four hours.
3: So, are you still active in your work with yeah. politics?
0: Yes, I am. Yes. Yep.
3: Can you tell us a little uh, about that? Uh,
0: well, you know, 12-step programs, um, some people have experience with them, some don't. But basically, it's a community of people who come together for a particular reason, um, and um, we support each other to heal uh, so I I would say healing is also an important aspect of of you know, when when you get when one gets diagnosed, what is it you in your life you need to heal and focus on that and do the healing work. Um
3: so healing emotionally.
0: Healing emo oh yes, that's why I'm at. Healing emotionally and spiritually. So yeah. I also have developed you know I've I've more fully developed my spiritual life uh and believing in a higher power god as you understand god whatever it is each individual you know gets to choose right. and I so I have faith in my higher power and that also helps carry me through each day i turn I turn over my worries and trust Trust that there's a positive force in this universe, whatever you choose to call it, or however you conceive of that that is about love and I derive strength and power and hope from it. And in the community of people who are in my particular 12 step program and circle, you know, we share all that together. We, we share honestly with each other about what our fears are, what our concerns are, but also what our, our strengths
3: strengths are. Well, I think and you we just said something close really, together. Uh, Excuse me, Doctor Deanne. I think you just said something really important in that sentence, um, because you talked about your fears and um, your hopes or other things, but also you said your strength, and I think that's what's mm. really important, because I think when when bad things happen to good people is how I always look at it. There's a reason, and that's where you have to find the strength so that you can find the reason. As bad as everything is, I am a true believer that there's a reason for everything. I don't understand it. I'm not going to pretend to be a great philosopher, but I do know that there's a reason why all these things happen.
2: Mm. That's good to hear you say that.
0: I would You're like the to fun, ask a yeah.
2: question. Um, I've hard got hard. my kids here listening to the recording. They're 13 and 17. And my older son asked me to ask you this question, which I'd like to pass on. He said, what do you do with your anger? You know, when when life isn't what you want or, you know, you're given this blow or, you know, he said as a young man going into his life, he'd like to know your advice on dealing with anger and the frustration when things don't go your way. I love it. What is his name? His name is Max. And his other brother is Max. There. Max. Thank you. That is an incredibly important
0: question. One thing I learned in my life through my recovery and healing work is you have to have permission to be angry. I think what a lot of, what a lot of us do is we see anger as a quote-unquote bad emotion or unacceptable emotion, so we, we stifle it we don't talk about it, but then it it eats us alive, and a, and a lot of us end up turning that anger inward, and it becomes depression or whatever, whatever else, and uh, I have learned through my own healing work, but also through my psychological training that anger... Is a God given emotion. We were built, we were created with emotions, sadness, grief, happiness, joy, excitement, but also anger. And it's important to allow yourself to have anger, allow yourself to express it, but also to listen. What is it underneath? What is it I'm angry about? And then to talk with someone about that and, and try to find, is there something I can do about this? Is there something I need to change? Um, anger is, a, is associated with the energy of power. So if we can own our anger, you can be more in touch with your own power. And by power, what I mean is like a sense of personal authority, not power like power over or conquering somebody or hitting somebody, but power in the sense of that quiet, confident, firm. Power, your your sense of self is strong. Uh, it, it a lot of times it requires a lot of a lot of just um, you know personal self awareness to identify what is what is it I'm angry at, and then to have someone who can be pr- sit with you in your anger and not be afraid of it as long as you're not harming anybody, but to listen to your anger and say, yeah, yeah, gosh darn it, you have a right to be angry. You know, I'm angry as heck that I have ALS. You know, it shortened my professional career. I thought I was going to be able to be a psychologist with the VA for the next 20 years and I literally just barely finished my fellowship. Yeah, I'm angry but I I know how to hold my anger now and understand what I'm angry about in a way that it doesn't eat me up or also doesn't harm others. So I'll stop right there and if he hasn't If Mac has any follow-up
2: questions, I'm open to it. What a great question, Mac. Thank you. The kids, both boys, say thank you. They're about to start their distance online learning class, but they hung around to the very end. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you find that your... Your experience that you're having right now has really expanded your knowledge of the universe and how, how things work, how people are connected, how feelings come, go, and change. You know, how has this whole experience opened your awareness of how the world works? Uh, well, again,
0: I, I'm, I don't know how the world works. I kind of see uh, a microcosm, right? So my life and my personal relationships are a microcosm. And what I, yes, absolutely what I have learned, as my symptoms have progressed, I have become more and more and more dependent on others, whether it's my aide who comes every day uh, or my family who helped me, or my friends who helped me, um, I have to have almost every single thing done for me because my hands are now affected, too. Um, and at first, it was really frustrating because I was losing control. You know, if I needed something done... I'd ask somebody else to do it, and then, of course, they wanted to do it the way they wanted to do it, not the way I wanted them to do it. So I was speaking about angry. I was angry about that for a while, and I didn't deal with it well for a period of time. I would get angry at them. And then what I saw is by by inappropriately expressing my anger at them, it was harming our relationships. And I realized I needed to confront what I was angry about was not them. I was angry about losing control over my own life. And so I did some personal work around that and some spiritual work around how the heck do I... Accept all of this loss of control in a way that doesn't leave me bitter, and in a way that I can let go. And um, I, I I did that work and learned how to. Yeah, you know, I'm not perfect. I still get frustrated at times, but I've. And what's what I realized is. I need to expand my heart and my soul and realize what's most important here is my connection with these people and their love and my love. And um, I don't know. It just... Something changed for me. I... Um, I still don't like it. I still don't like it, but having that loss of control. But I found what I would say, peace. You know, you can really not like something, but you can recognize that it's the reality and make peace with it.
3: So, Dr. Theana, I think the, the moral is acceptance. is really
1: important. Yeah.
3: Except yeah, it's think. not just our health, it's in our relationship, it's in almost everything that we do. I think that acceptance leads to. would you yeah. agree with
2: that, Sandra? Oh, absolutely. I think, and I think that's a very hard place to get, and I think that, You can't always stay there, you know, and that's one of the questions that I'd like to ask the doctor today is, you know, it's one thing to get into peace or, you know, to get into forgiveness or understanding, all those things, but that's not a permanent place. I think, you know, you pop out of it, things happen, you know, challenges happen, and then you have to kind of rework to get back into that place or redirect back into that place. Do you find that as well? Absolutely,
0: because you know what? We're only human. And so the other thing I've had to accept is my humanness. And that term is called humility. So coming to a place of self-forgiveness when I fall off the beam, you know, when I when I do get impatient with my aide or my daughter, um, and then I recognize it apologize, and recognize that I'm only human. I'm not perfect.
2: Self-compassion. I love that. These are such high concepts, you know, and... You know, it's almost like these should be taught to our little ones. You know, this this is what should be taught at the beginning of life versus, you know, when we're faced with challenges.
0: Yeah. I don't know why we don't. Any idea?
3: (laughs) No ideas from me. I agree (laughs) completely with both of you. So, Dr. Deanna, you know, there's a lot of people listening right now. If there's one thing that from today's show, that they
0: you would want them to remember, what would that be? Oh, boy. Love is all you need. That, that is another one of my mottos, is that as I struggle through this condition, what is rising above all is the love of my family and friends as they support me and help me get through this and keep my spirit positive.
3: You know, one thing that is so interesting to me is when you opened up the show, which was, you know, I'm going to say 50 minutes ago, somewhere around there, you uh, were qualifying that possibly your voice might get weak, or you may need to take a break. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, Dr. Sienna but your voice is actually stronger as this <laughs> was done.
0: I love it. I know. I I noticed that myself, and I think I, I'm loving your questions. There's so important, and they're so right on, and they're inspiring me, and my passion about these topics and about these questions is fueling my energy and my ability, uh, I don't know, to kind of not overcome, but um, I don't know how to explain it. Thank I am you.
3: Because now a little bit of the uh, life of Dr. Tiana, the essence of Dr. Siana, the carbon <laughs> karma of Dr. Siana is going to be in the airwaves, and I think that's
1: really, really important.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Paul? Oh, yeah, I got something to say to this, uh, Dr. Kiana. I've been listening to you guys and inspired. But you, Dr. Theana, is incredible the way you see life and the way you fight through this horrible situation that you're in. It's just truly, truly in- inspirational. And um, my hat, and I'm just waiting for the book to come out, you know, the Dr. Theana book. <laughs> but I really do believe that the people out there that are listening, you know, you have your days that are ups and downs. But think back of what you're listening to today and look at what this amazing woman has conquered in her life. She is truly an inspirational story that everybody can look up to. And I'm just so thankful I got to meet you today.
0: Oh, that's very kind of you to say. It's been a real pleasure to be here and to share these things with you, and each one of you is an inspiration to me as well.
3: Well, that is really nice of you to say. Um, You know, it is obviously our honor. Um, Paul, we're going to do a little bit of um, sponsor business here, which is important.
1: So would you want to show everybody our website? Sure. Sure. Uh, You can... Yeah, our website, our sponsors today are brought to you by bzboards.com. That's B E A S Y boards.com and also Coppertouch. That's C O P P E R T O U C H dot com. Thank you.
3: Sandra, do you have anything in closing?
2: Yeah, I would just like to thank you for being brave and for being strong and for being caring and loving, you know, to help my kids, to help the listeners, to help us. And I really want to say that you embody dignity and grace. And those are words that I never really understood. I always thought they were beautiful, you know, the word dignity, the word word grace. And I didn't really know fully today what that looked like in person. And I can say that you embody dignity and grace, and I am thankful for you teaching me that. Oh, I am so
0: touched. Thank you. I think she's taught that to everybody
2: listening
1: out there today. Absolutely. Uh, from uh the
3: first conversation I had with you, Doctor Siana, um, and from the bottom of my heart, um, I felt a spiritual connection and I think that connection is going to be everlasting. Whatever our journeys are and wherever we go, it will be everlasting. And I thank you for your heart. I agree today. So I will be in touch and also sending you that book. Well, Tuesday.
0: That would be fabulous. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you, all and for all, everyone who's listening, keep the faith, keep a positive attitude, and remember that love is all you need.
1: There it is, people. <laughs> there it is. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, thank you, Dr. Theon. Yeah. So my name is Paul Frazier. I want to thank my co-host Linda Pavick and Sandra Beck for joining us today. And I'd also want to say thank you, Dr. Tiano, for being a true, true trooper and being an inspiration mm-hmm. on every every level of life. I think you are a fantastic person.
0: Thank you.
1: You betcha. And I'd like to thank you out there, the listeners, for joining us today on this special program. On behalf of BZBoards.com and CopperTouch.com, my name is Paul Frazier. I am your host. We'll see you next time.